we just came off of a really cool um, event where we got a chance to do a Q&A with a lot of up-and-coming entrepreneurs, some that were already established, a lot of notaries. I yeah. There's a whole bunch of notaries in the building, but yeah. I mean, shout out to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was very successful. We're going to keep that thing running, too. So we're going to bring it back. Let's do it. It ain't going to be what it was last time. We That's showed a lot of love last time. We, we got a lot, a lot of love, love in return, we but did. it's a great concept that I think we're going to keep running with, and we're just going to have to uh, make that price a little bit more economic or a little more reasonable. Yeah, yeah. It was just more money. The crazy thing about pay what you want is sometimes people think pay what you want means a dollar. <laughs> it's not a dollar, man. It's what do you think this is worth? Tell me what you think it's worth. If you don't think it's worth $10,000, don't give me a dollar. It's not too much in this world that's worth a dollar now. Inflation is too dang high for my stuff to be worth a dollar. Well, that's on us because we said pay what you want. And, yeah. and, and they, well, well, I did it $2 and up. Okay. I did it $2 and up. So uh, some people pay 2 some people yeah. pay 10 Yeah. So I think one person might pay 20 Yeah. But, but I think for everyone who shared, we do appreciate it. But, yes, we need to put a higher price point on Absolutely. it next Absolutely. So that's coming. Um, but I would say one cool thing is, like, the pay what you want does work. Uh, the very first time I ran pay what you want, I made $7,500 in a day. Wow. And then I want to say I made 2500 the next day and 1000 the next day. So okay. I had, like, a $10,000 weekend doing the pay what you want. So I was like, Dre, we got to try it. It works. I promise. I believe it. I believe <laughs> it. Um, the, the, the rapper brother, LaRussell. Mm-hmm. That's where you got the idea from? Absolutely. Okay. You know, what's what's funny about me is I literally was up watching that interview that night and implemented it the same day. So I was watching it. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. We had the mastermind call at 8 o'clock. And I told him, I was like, hey, I was just watching this podcast. He mentioned this, this, and this. I'm going to try it. And as we're on the phone call, I'm just typing it up like boom, boom, boom. I hit submit, hit an email, put the tweets and all that stuff out there. Sales just started coming in. But it's like what happens is – some people pay a dollar, some people pay a hundred bucks, some people pay two fifty. And so you're gonna get what's there. And I think that for us, it's still a new concept. Yeah, that's true. And so it's like it's one thing for me to say, hey, grab the freedom pack that I've been promoting for two years at this price, or grab the options course I've been promoting for however long at this price versus something that we didn't know. So I for me, I was like, I'd rather have the people than us launch it and get a a, a small showing. And so I think that that's, that's the reason why we got to keep going with the process. We got to just keep showing up, keep pushing it, keep promoting it. And pretty soon we're going to be doing 10K. We're going to do 20K, doing 30K off the same concept. But the people who got in early, they got the most benefit. So mm-hmm. I definitely think it's going to happen. And I think that I don't think we failed at all. I don't think it was a failure. No, I don't think. No, no. So here's yeah. the thing with me, right? Let's say that we made $100 or so, right? So we were there for two hours. We still made, you know, like job money. Right. 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 <laughs> so I try to keep things in perspective, because if you look at everything to be the five thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, you get a little down on yourself. But if you look at it, well, I made the same amount of money doing this that I would have made if I had a gig and I was home and I was able to do something that I liked. And, and there's always an option to sell more stuff. It's a win. Sell more stuff to the same people. So it's like mm-hmm. it's a it's a win in a lot of ways. And that's why you can't really take any L's taking action. Like there's no such thing as an L when you're when you're doing something or trying something. The only L is the people who sit around and like, I don't know if I should launch it. I don't know if I should price it. And they never do anything. Low ticket, high ticket. Man, ticket. 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 That's what you got to do. <laughs> so um, for those who do know, everybody knows, I've just been on the show more than anybody else who's ever been on the show. Woo woo. Um, I think we're going on like five or six times, man. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Um, but there's been a, really, a lot of really cool things or interesting things that are going on in the world. And it was all kind of sparked off by Kanye West. And Kanye, who's been kind of saying some different things 
um, on different platforms. But this time, I guess it kind of caught up to him and people weren't happy with it. And that was a Drink Champs interview when he was talking about um, how we live in a society where like Jewish people kind of own and control the black voice mm. and they own the movie studios, they own the record companies, they own the sports teams, they own all these different things. And uh, apparently they said that that was anti-Semitic. And uh, I have, my, I was thinking about this recently. I was like, you know what? It is going to sound real crazy, but like racist people know they're racist. Very and much. So, yeah. And they do things that are racist. Mm. They might not overtly state that they're racist, but they create schools that keep you out. They create universities that keep you out. They create jobs that keep you out. They create executive level positions that keep you out. And they're unapologetic about it because they care more about their mission. So I'm starting to think that maybe being labeled anti-Semitic isn't as bad as we make it seem. Like the downside is being, I'm not, I don't care about my people enough that I'm willing to say, I'm not anti-Semitic. Let me walk back this statement a statement that empowers black people, a statement that enlightens mm -hmm. black people. And so we're so concerned about offending one group that we don't promote our own. Oof. They don't care if they offend us. They, their agenda is promote our own, mm. provide for our own. And so I think that if you putting out a message that's going to ele elevate your people and then you retract it so you can take care of yourself, that's selfish. And unfortunately, like when you have an abundance, it's not your responsibility to be selfish, it's your responsibility to be selfless. And I think that's what Kanye is doing so much that he's willing. He knew he was going to lose money by making those statements, but he chose his people over everything. And so it's curious. You saw yeah. it. We talked about it. Mm -hmm. um, how do you feel about the whole Kanye conversation? The only thing I heard Kanye say that, that I disagree with him saying was he was talking about George Floyd's family, about George Floyd. And he died from the drugs, not the assault and, and, and uh, battery and murder. Besides from that, I've heard him say anything that I thought was too outlandish. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and here's the thing with the anti-Semitic thing. Jay-Z gave Jewish people credit on the 444 album. He said, um, if you want to know why Jewish people own all the real estate in the world, credit or something like that, right? And they got mad at that. Yeah. And I don't even think, I, honestly, I think he kind of scaled back that. He did. Because it's not just credit. <laughs> There's a lot of other things. There's books written on it, and it's not just credit. But mm -hmm. yeah. but for, for that line, though, he, he apologized, I believe, for that line, too. So they don't want to be talked about at all. Right. Good or bad. Right. So anti-Semitic is, is, is what Jewish people deem offensive. Or a threat to what they have going on. Or a threat. So by you saying, hey, they control all this stuff, wake up and stop giving away your value, you're threatening their wealth. Bingo. And so they're like, that's anti-Semitic. And I think that that's interesting because, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Because mm -hmm. if I'm rich and I'm in a position of power because of my riches and you're attacking my riches... It's like, bro, that's that's hate speech. <laughs> you hating on my wealth, man. Hating on my wealth. We think I think that we think that hate speech is like keeping you down, where they think hate speech is like pulling you down. Because we think we're we're glamorizing them and like shouting them out and bigging up them, which I think is really important in the black community because what I'm finding mm -hmm. is like you can't show it all, man. And you can't tell everybody you got it. Um, because when you do, they start coming. And sometimes they come with a friendly face, sometimes they come with a not so friendly face, but they're coming. Whew. And and they don't stop. They do not stop. <laughs> and, they, and they really don't stop. So so here's my thing, right? 
And and we're seeing Kanye go through it, which I thought I think he wanted to get kicked off of Adidas. And Absolutely. So so he he achieved his mission with that one. But how much money will allow black men to hold their nuts? <laughs> how much money do you have to have to like these guys aren't even just saying nothing, a lot of them. They're overly saying, Oh, Kyrie's this, Kanye's this. Why not just shut up? Yeah. And we're talking about people who have at least 10, 20, 100, 500 million dollars. Borderline billionaire status. Yeah. The death in terms of assets and all that stuff, damn near. At, at what point do you just ride for your people? Let's say that some people just do it out the gate like me, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want to take what comes with them. But after you get to a certain level, if you're not going to verbally ride for your people, can't you just at least be quiet? Why do you feel you have to make white people feel comfortable even after you've hit a certain financial status? What's your thoughts on that? I think that they make their money the wrong way. Mm. And they make their money connected to another culture, so they have to be beholden to that other culture, which is unfortunate. So if it, you can do it a few different ways. Like ownership, if you have a, a non-black partner, is going to be inauthentic just like working a, a job and having a paycheck is inauthentic. And so some of them, Charles Barkley gets a paycheck, but uh, Shaq, yeah, he gets a paycheck, but he makes his more, he makes more money off of like the, the things he puts together. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so when you start doing business at that level, it's not just like Shaq owns this. It's like this group owns this and Shaq's a part of the group. Mm -hmm. Like Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson owns the Dodgers, a part of a big-ass group. And there's probably some people in there that he has to please. And so one of the things that like I've experienced Nobody controls what I earn. I make my money off of dividends. Like, if I never sell another course again, I could still pay my bills. Off of dividends. And so I started going through some changes. I grew up my hair. I grew up my beard. And I got some tattoos. And people were like, man, you've changed. I was like, because I don't exist in an environment where I have to be less black to earn a paycheck. Mm. I don't exist in an environment where I have to shun black people to make it seem like I'm the acceptable black person and this is why I deserve to be here because I've mm -hmm. worked in environments my entire life in Southern California where I was the only black dude, mm -hmm. the only black dude. Yeah. Like up until recently, I've always been the only black person. And so when you're the only black person in a space, you kind of want to fit in. You want to be, you, you don't want to like stand out and kind of like be authentically black. I told a story about how when I was working in that firm and I brought a Morehouse cup to um, the job and the owner said, I think your cup is racist. And the only thing I could do was not bring the cup to work anymore. How did that make you feel? Um, I don't even really know how it made me feel, but I know that what having the cup it made me feel. I felt proud that there's a university out there that's building black men and who, black men who are doing amazing things. Mm. If you look at Morehouse and most HBCU grads, a lot of times what they do is they go off to go to that elite university and they go off to be that top tier person. And so by you telling me that me promoting my own is racist, I think subconsciously it makes you want to continue to turn your back on your own. And we don't realize like everybody else does it. Every other group does it. But when we do it, it's a problem. But the thing is, is it's going to be a problem because it's taking money out of their pocket. So we have to be okay with them having a pro with them having a problem with us promoting ourselves. And that's one of the things there's this book called the solution that Jay Morrison wrote. And he was talking about like, we don't need anybody else to agree with us pushing ourselves. You can call it anti-Semitic. You can call it whatever you want to call it. You can call it racist if you want to. But I, I have a responsibility to use my gifts to build up my community, not to use my gifts to abandon my community. And that's how I felt like I was doing in those spaces and what a lot of people do when their paycheck and their income and their lifestyle is tied to another community.
And that's why you got to keep your money within yourself. And that's why I don't look down on that two-hour workshop that we split the money, 50 bucks an hour. So even though, even though I don't I get paid more than 45000 an hour now, usually, I don't look down on that money because of what you just said. What do you mean? I've gotten, we were able to make that money without having to worry about being anti-Semitic about our tweets. Right. We were able to do our podcast freely because of that stuff. So that's why I, I never, it wasn't the overall biggest payday in the world, but I'll never look down on it. One, because I'm helping people, our people. And two, we're able to make money outside of another, outside of being dependent upon another community. Yep. I don't despise small beginnings or small steps. Is it progress from what I used to be? Is it, is it progress from where I used to be? And a lot of people get discouraged and, and just despise the beginnings and the middle stages because they follow Instagram, which we all do. And, and they see him or her making 100 grand a month to a million dollars a month. So five or six grand a month seems like they failed. But five, six grand a month is more than you made ever ever in your life. Mm -hmm. Don't despise the beginning. Don't despise the middle. Keep freaking going. Yep. And then also knowing that every new venture has to start at the beginning. You got So just because you've established a certain level of status doesn't mean that your new ventures get to start where you ended up. Mm -hmm. And so this is completely different. If it would have been something that was more so related to what I was already doing, like if this was an options thing, yeah, now. Okay, right, now you would have, yeah, right. yeah. But no. I already have so many people that have already bought into that. Now I only need a percentage of those people to continue to level up. Mm. And those people are asking for more. And so when it's something completely unrelated, it's like if I had like a burger restaurant and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start a bar or I'm going to start whatever. Like that business has to start as if it's an it gotta start somewhere. and it's bar. It got to start. And so I think that there is a lot of opportunity there um, in the future. But like in the moment, you got to have like that understanding that this is just like any other thing that you're starting from the ground up. And it's going to take time. But if you put that time in there, if you keep reinvesting and leveling up, it has to grow. It has to grow. Started with one home. And now, like, the Detroit stuff, like, is really popping. Like, if I look at, like, the home that I'm working on right now, like, I never would have thought that I'd be there. Wow. But all it started with was, like, with one. Like, for better or worse, the ups and downs, the tenants, the break-ins, all that stuff. Like, it still has gotten me to the point where, all right, I have this house that I've done that now should be worth X amount of money. I can pull that cash out and I can do something in Atlanta. I can pull that cash out and whatever it might look like. But I would have never known the people that I know there. I never had the connections. Would have never had the connections with the wholesalers, people who can walk through the property like the uh, Monopoly Bros, all that stuff to help me kind of get things on track if I didn't start. Starting is everything. And if our goal, so, so, so my goal for entrepreneurship has always been freedom. Freedom to talk how I want to talk and not to worry about nothing. When that's your bottom line, when that's your why, I'll get out there. I, I, made, I made a video last week because this guy was making fun of me for selling my book or asking for my book sales. I was like, I, I, I did whatever you want to pay for my ebook. The top 10 habits of underachievers still uh, there. And this guy said, well, he, he said, is it, he said, I think this is hurting your brand. If you're so successful, why are you online seemingly begging for book sales for people to buy your book? Okay, that's one way to look at it. Or you could look at it and say, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't I, I haven't hit um, decamillionaire status yet. So, yes, I'm grinding. Yes, I'm showing work out there. Yes, I'm asking for a book sale. Yes, I'm asking you to, to support me the same way that I've given out thousands of hours over the years. Mm -hmm. When you feel you've arrived, it's easy to go broke. Mm. When you see people who have all this money who, who then have no money, and you're like, damn, like, what happened to you? 
They felt they've arrived. It's very true. They got too comfortable. They gave too much money away. They didn't have enough safe assets, and they forgot to grind. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all good now. Are you all good now? Are you? Oh, how, how good are you? And honestly, for me, I still like the grind. I still like it. I still enjoy it. I enjoy not having to do it all the time, 24-7. I do enjoy that as well. But there's just something about I never want to let that kid selling candy at school, that kid shoveling snow when it snowed, the kid with the lemonade stand, and me die. Mm -hmm. I want to keep him going at all costs. So I'm still grinding that book out, baby. I think what you're saying is like feeling like you arrived can be like the death of your wealth. And I've experienced that, man. I definitely have experienced that. I would say 2021, I didn't do anything. <laughs> like, it was a year that just went by in a blur. I was sitting at home. I was drinking. I might have been playing video games. I just didn't do nothing. Mm. But what's interesting is the business still did really well. And so now I'm kind of back in the grind mode, but I'm finding that I'm back in the grind mode because I'm starting to see, like, I've established a comfortable living for what I have, but if I want to go higher, I got to get back on the grind. And an example of that was just recently today, I was looking at a school in Atlanta and it's called Greater Atlanta Christian School. And it looked amazing. So I was like, how much this cost to send my son there? It's $26,000 a year. I was like, yeah, I got to grind more because (laughs) I want to have more than one child. I need to have two kids. And so now it's like, all right, I got to step it up. Like my grind is provided for my wife and my son and myself. But if I had another one, which we could be potentially doing soon, I'm going to need to step it back up. So I think that the kids kind of incite that fire in me yeah, uh, more than anything else. That's real. So Kanye, um, I, I hope to see him land on his feet. It's not the first time that he's kind of done this where he destroyed a relationship and he landed on his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I always talk about how like when he was at Nike and he left Nike and it wasn't the best uh, situation when he left Nike. People were like, oh, yeah, he'll never blah, 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 blah. And so I'm hoping that like I know he was thinking about going affordable and selling shoes at like 20 bucks a pair or something like that. So it would be really cool to see that happening. I just want to see it happen. So something else about Kanye, something that I found out uh, from – some people who I've met, he doesn't have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. This one guy said he has really no friends. He has one guy named Boo or Poo or Boo, and he's friends with another guy who I met. And he said that that's his closest friend, and him and him aren't best buddies either. Do you think him not having a tight knit circle of guys hinders him or helps him? I think I feel like it's tough to be the kind of person that Kanye is and have a lot of friends because if you really look at it, I don't think too many people that exist at that level have friends. Okay. I think that billionaire just kind of put the seal on it. I don't think Elon Musk has a lot of friends. Um, I don't think Bezos has, has a lot of friends. It might be a little bit different when you're white because when you're white, like, there's a lot of unknown billionaires that are just, like, white dudes we don't even know. So maybe that there's people who can, like, understand that yeah. level of, like, intensity and focus and that difference of a way of thinking. And I, I don't think that in the African-American community we kind of entertain people who think different. If you think different, you're called names. Oh, you're you think out. different, you're a coon. You're out. You're a sellout. You are, like, even with the whole, like, respectfully, even with the whole George, George Floyd comment, like, the idea that you would introduce something that is commonly accepted by like the black culture 
we're offended by it. Mm-hmm. We don't even want to entertain the idea that maybe something else happened because we're so connected to the result. But I'm connected to the truth. I don't want just something that feels good for the moment and allows me to accept my narrative. Because what if it's not true? What if there's, and I don't, I don't even know the details. But I'm just saying, like, what if there's other things in life that we're so connected to that we aren't willing to entertain the opposite idea that could potentially set us free? And so I think that when you're that kind of a person, and I was talking to my grandma as recently as today, and my family kind of has, like, a, a different way of thinking than I think. And so there's this house right next to my grandma's house, and it's, uh, it uh, has been vacant for a while. And it's actually owned by an African-American investor. And I was like, telling my grandma, I was like, yeah, I'm thinking, I think I want to buy that house. And she makes a comment, and she's like, oh, yeah, you could probably buy it from him. He's like, you know, us black folks, we ain't got no money. And I was like, my grandma says that a lot. And I hear it a lot. And I don't think like that. I don't think that we don't have any money. In fact, I know a lot of black people with money. And that's just an example of how we think that's just I, so pervasive. I would have said most of your friends are probably millionaires. And Yeah, absolutely. Very, yeah. very successful friends. Yeah. And so I think that going back to your question about I don't have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of friends. Um, you got a few, though. I have a few. Um, but I think sometimes they don't even really rock on me like that because I've <laughs> always been different, Andre. Always mm-hmm. No, I believe it. When I, I, was I have in, so. When I was in college, like, I joined a frat, and I'm a member of a Phi Beta Sigma fraternity, and quite honestly, I wasn't really on the best of terms with the pro fights because I was, I had a weight, like, I wanted to take the frat in a different direction. I wanted us to be mm. more business-focused. I wanted to be less, because we were kind of like campus thugs almost. And I was like, I don't rock with that, man. <laughs> and I got shunned for being like that because in a lot of ways, it was ahead of its time. I was 22 trying to, like, wear the shirt and tie to school. Mm-hmm. I was 22 being serious. I was like, you know what? I don't want to run around and chase all these tricks. Let me just get one solid woman. That wasn't the common thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that sometimes when you go against what's common, you can kind of not have a lot of people that you have commonalities with. Oh yeah. If you want to be average, if you want to be normal, you can have a lot of friends. And so that's what I'm finding. Like I feel so strong in, in my beliefs that I'm unwilling to compromise them to be liked. And so it's very difficult to have a lot of people that, like, rock with you or uncomfortable with you when you're that kind of a guy. And I think Kanye is that kind of a guy. He has strong opinions, strongly held beliefs that even Jay-Z doesn't believe in. But Jay-Z and Kanye are two different people. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z, the interesting thing about it is Kanye is saying a bunch of stuff that, that Dame's been saying. Do you think Dame has a lot of friends? He does not have a lot of friends mm-hmm. because he thinks so differently that when he says stuff, it pisses people off. And when I go on Twitter and I say stuff, it pisses people off. When mm-hmm. Kanye says stuff, it pisses people off. But the thing is, is we go out there and manifest what we said we was going to do. See? So I feel like it's difficult to have friends and think a certain way, but it's difficult to be successful and not think that way. And I think that's why the two go hand in hand. See? So I think people can be too much of an island. Mm-hmm. At times, does uh, does everyone need to have a posse or, or a seven ten member friend group? No, but I do think people can be too much of an island that, that they're trapped in their own thoughts too much. You say something, so so even though you're opinionated, you're you're strong willed, right? You still say that you seek wise counsel, right? Mm-hmm. So like if I say something, hey, you might want to consider this. Listen you're you're going to listen to me. You're listening to me, listen right? To me. Right? It's same here, <laughs> right? So. I do think people, even strong-willed people, opinionated people, need to be able need to have at least one to three people who can get a hold of them, even if you don't listen, even if you don't implement it. I'm at least going to listen to him or her because I respect their viewpoint and I know that they want the best for me and they know me. 
So, yeah, I'll throw that out there. Yeah, I think what's interesting is I think Kanye had that at one point in time with his mom. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, unfortunately, people can speak things into you and it's not productive. Yo, fam, I so I've always been, you, you, you might want to call me pro-black, right? I'll, I'll embrace that term. Do you know how unpopular I was even 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. Our own people were, were calling me names for my outland, out, at the time, outlandish, like, like go support that black business. I had friends who I grew up with comment on my Facebook page saying, well, what if it was white? What if it was this? What if it was that? So all the stuff going on now, you have to be a trendsetter to change the narrative. Right. We built a, a site called Buy Black NYC, which is a directory, or was it a, a directory to, to find black on businesses? It wasn't that. It wasn't out there like that eight years ago. So I got hits from us. Mm -hmm. So you have to be willing to. It, visionaries are alone. Mm -hmm. If you're a visionary, you're, you're, you're going to spend a lot of time alone, and you have to be very convicted in your beliefs and your thoughts and wait for other people to catch up to you. <laughs> That's what happens. It can get lonely. They, they got to catch up. But I think that there's people who I think have an unlimited vision for themselves who you can allow to speak into like your life or even give you advice on your life. And I, so I think that Kanye, who still has a, a pretty good relationship with Dame, mm -hmm. he might not have like a lot of friends. Yeah. But I think that like once you get to a certain level, you can only really connect with other people at that level. I got you. And I think that for Kanye, it's not a lot of people at that level. I agree with that. In that capacity, mm -hmm. a lot of black folks on the billionaire list aren't bosses. Mm -hmm. LeBron James is a billionaire. He's not a boss. He's not a boss, nah. Um, Jay-Z is not a boss. You don't think Jay-Z is a boss? I don't think Jay-Z is a boss. And the reason why I don't think wow. Jay-Z is a boss is because... I think that Jay-Z benefits from his fame. Okay. I think that that's the way he's made his money, is he leverages his fame, similar to the way that LeBron just. Is there some boss-type qualities in him? I think so, but I don't think that he's pure boss. No, I think it's, I think it's part boss. fame, part boss. Okay. You think Dame Dash is all boss? Dame Dash is 100% all boss. Who else do you think is all boss? A lot of the African billionaires out there. How about people maybe like in our... Like, not ultra celebrities, but maybe, like, our level or a little bit above, a little bit below. I think Erica Williams is all boss. Uh, Erica Williams, okay. Um, of course, you all boss. All right, thank I'm you. I'm all boss. You all boss. Okay. Uh, and so that's why we get each other. That's why, uh, like, through the ups yeah, and downs, yeah. we still, like, support each other and rock with each other. It's not like, oh, you canceled. I can't rock with you. No more. <laughs> yeah. It's because it's like we understand that, like, that person's a human being. We still got to have that connection with that human being. And we can't just discount that human being because they say something they disagree with. And I know I've said some stuff that you disagree with. You're like, what the heck is this dude talking about? Yeah. yeah. But, like, at the core, there's a solid foundation of things that we do agree on. Which is most things. Yeah, Which but I feel things. like some people, like, once they find that one thing they disagree with you on, I can't mess with you at all for the entire yeah, person. that's extreme. Yeah, that's And extreme. I think that that's kind of, like, what we've kind of done to Kanye, what we've done to Dame. Um, but you're right. Like a lot of people didn't appreciate what Dame said until years later, and they're not going to appreciate what Kanye says until years later. I wish I could find an example, but I know the perfect example is people saying that people really were like, "It's not going to work out without Nike." Blah blah blah, and now everybody buying the shoes. Now everybody loves the shoes. But what happens is when they figure it out that you're right, they don't ever really like tell you that you're right. They just go along with it. They're like, "Oh yeah, this is what we're doing over here." Damn, that's deep. And I think that's the problem is because if you never give him the props for when he was right then we continue to think that he's wrong the more that he does things. And so I think that, like, Steve Jobs, 
when he was there, he's kind of like, when he came out with stuff, people fought it. You're going to create a phone with no screen, with no buttons. You're going to remove the headphone jack. You're going to do all these different things. I'm going to be talking to my phone, telling it what to do. And now we can't live without it. And the problem is now Steve Jobs is gone. And so what happens is you have somebody like uh, Tim Cook step in. And we have a lot of people who are like Tim Cook who just manage the boss yeah. stuff. They don't yeah. actually innovate and change the boss stuff. So they're never being caught with, mm-hmm. with the pushback. Steve. It's kind of like a lot to think about there. Um, before we wrap, though, we got to talk about Kyrie. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie's going through something similar. Um, and it's just interesting because it's like I feel bad for them because they're being held out as martyrs. And then also the way that the media shapes what they're saying, it kind of makes them seem like bad people. But I don't think that they're bad people. Man, there's a lot worse people in the world than freaking Kyrie Irving. Right. Uh, I've heard him doing anything bad, harmful to mankind. Mm-hmm. Right, he doesn't want to play basketball sometimes because of different reasons. All right, he's hurt a lot. I mean, that's not his fault. So people just get hurt a lot. I can't remember any again like anything he said that I was like, "Oh, that's just horrible." Mm-hmm. I haven't said. Have you seen it? Nope. Even the thing that they're they're slandering him for, he didn't actually say it. He didn't create the documentary. He didn't find the documentary. He just shared. It. Yeah. So, 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 so look, let's give the people some context on that. So so he shared on on Twitter a link to a documentary that what. I'm not completely sure, but what I think about it, it was something about how it talks about the history of the Hebrew race and how, like, you look back at where the origin of it came from. Even if you look at the Bible, like, the Bible takes place in, like, North Africa. Yeah. And so if you assume that people in Africa are black, then you would assume that Hebrews and Jews are black as well. But what's interesting to me is that Africans have a lot of different races or different uh, religions out there. Tons. You got Muslim Africans, you have Christian Africans, you have Jewish Africans, and I'm pretty sure they have their own other religions out there that we don't even know about. Oh yeah. Um, and so I think what was interesting is that people got offended by it, but I think that the fact that you will be offended that black people think they're Jewish is actually racist. It's wild, wild. And they're saying that he has to pay the we have to play basketball again. I hope he retires. He's, he has to pay five hundred thousand dollars. Public apology out his ass. Uh, sit, sit down with the Defamation League, Jewish Defamation League, fam. Yeah, this is wild. This is, and I heard someone else say that. Well, is Amazon in trouble for posting the, the, for having the video on the website? This is what was my bad. This is why I say own or be on. This is why I, I don't know, twenty five dollar an hour workshops. This is why all these things because for me. Being able to say F you to these people when you did nothing wrong. This, that's the thing. I'm all for apologize. I'm not, I'm not one of those people who say never apologize. Yo, if you're wrong, you're wrong. You, so, sometimes we grow mm-hmm. and we, we like got to change If there was a legit up. reason to do all those things, 100% support it. But, but this is bullying. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole check-in thing with um, the street black rap culture. Mm-hmm. You got to check in. I'm not going to go there. But <laughs> you got to check in with people. Only rappers have to do this. It's Only definitely, It's definitely bullying and it's trying to make an example. And they're doing it to prevent other people from doing it. It's kind of like uh, Colin Kaepernick. It's like when they see you standing up for your own people, now we got to make an example of you so that other people know not to do that. It's kind of like if you look back at the history of slavery, and I don't know if this is true or not, but a lot of times what they would do is they would take the biggest, most outspoken or most yeah. powerful slave and they'd, F them up in front of everybody so everybody else knows, like, don't don't trip. Don't get out of line. Because mm-hmm. if we can do it for him, we're going to do it to you. 
Mm-hmm. And so my only problem with it, with it is, is like we got to see through the narrative and we got to understand that like these people aren't unbiased and they have an agenda. And so when you have somebody like these superstars that come in and speak out against like what he's doing, it's like we're blind to what's going on. Maybe it's the money that's blinding us. Maybe it's opportunity that's blinding us. But I don't know. So I was literally about 20 years ago. Uh, I never forget. I was at work and there was uh, a sister, a lady older than me. She, she, she was in the wrong with something at work, right? And we were having a, a work meeting and the white co-workers were challenging what she did or what she did, didn't do. And they were right, right? So I, I knew it then, I know now, like they were right. And I interjected. And one of the other ladies who, who, who was there, she said, Andre, you know, um, I hear what you're saying, but you don't always have to agree with white people in front of another, or, or don't always agree with white people in front of a black person. Meaning, even if the black person is wrong, you don't have to take their side publicly. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what, you're right. And I've been very careful about doing it since. Mm-hmm. Very, very careful about doing it since because they made their point. I didn't have to agree or disagree publicly. I because I, I just couldn't shut up. And 20 years ago, that always stuck with me. So when the other media members are jumping down on Kyrie, why are they doing that? Why don't I say, hey, I'm going to stay out of this one? What dollar amount do you have to have to say, I'm going to stay out of this one? We're talking about DECA millionaires here, at least. Fam, all y'all can't agree with this. Mm-hmm. All of the Richard Jefferson, Stephen A., Shannon Shaq, all these Shaq, Shaq, all y'all can't agree that Kyrie and Kanye and those people are wrong. LeBron, LeBron James? Mm-hmm. But Fam. like, I think the problem is it also kind of makes us look weak. Kind of. And, and ununited. Very weak. Yeah. And also it knows they can continue to control the community. So I mean, it's a it's a lot. There's layers to it. It's really a lot. So like, I don't always agree with when women say a strong, um, a real man will do X Y Z. Sometimes they say that to manipulate you, right? Mm-hmm. But I have noticed women saying, "Damn, yeah, look, like, y'all yeah, saw Brother Kyrie out," and I respect that stance for a woman. Mm-hmm. I respect that stance. Yeah. yeah, I think like you said in the very beginning, it's like if you don't have anything to support him, just don't say anything at all. Just kill out, fam. Just. Kill because honestly, that probably empowered them to lean on him even harder. They're like, yeah, not only do we think you're wrong, but everybody else is talking crazy about you. The more the, the most popular black man in the friggin' world, damn near. That would gonna make it impossible for you to get back in. Come on, um, man. Shout out to Kyrie. Shout out to Kanye. Shout out to every other black outspoken person who's just not afraid of friggin' white people. But also, I think that and this is one of the things that I think that other cultures do well, is they have their own language. So there's things that should be said and information that should be dispersed amongst our people that other people don't need to know we're sharing. Mm, that's deep. And so, like, you walk into a Chinese massage parlor, they over here saying this, saying, you have no idea what they're talking about. They could be like, man, make sure you upsell them on that foot massage. Make mm-hmm. sure you do boom, 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 boom. So they have all these things that they have moving in the background that we aren't even aware of. Our problem is we broadcast everything. <laughs> so they know what's coming. Yeah. And I think that if you were to say the same exact thing, but say it in a way that nobody knew what was being said, 
we could adjust and they wouldn't even know when we were making adjustments. They can't even get offended now because they don't even know what's going on. That's deep. And I think that that's what other cultures do. They're like, all right, we're not going to have this conversation and broadcast it on the news channel. We're going to put on the news what we need to put on the news. But in this meeting that's going on in this back room that nobody knows about, we're going to lay out the plan for how we're going to run this country. And we are never the wiser. And I think that that's one of the mistakes. Um, sometimes even with, like, these podcasts is we, be, we broadcasting too much, like – you know, here's our next moves on YouTube, and they transcribe the whole thing, send it to this person. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, sometimes you just got to, like, real G's move in silence. So sometimes you real communities feel. move in silence like lasagna. If you want your community to thrive, you got to move in silence. We got to stop broadcasting mm-hmm. and telegraphing all of our moves because all they do is adjust the, fo- the goalposts. How do you feel about Charleston White? I think that... Sometimes I like what he says, and then sometimes I think he says things just to get clicks. And so, like, he's made some comments about Nipsey Hussle that I wasn't really a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, like, antagonized people. I didn't really like that. Um, but it's like there's some things he says that are good, and there's some things that he says. I'm just like, man, just shut up, man. Like, I don't, I don't think you should get on the platform and just say it to get clout. Yeah. Like, we're just talking for clout at this point. We're not talking to actually, like, improve anybody. We're just, like, saying something to offend somebody so I can go viral so then people know who I am. But in the process, you just, like, really upset a lot of people or really, like, destroyed a potential movement. And so that's kind of my thoughts on him. Steve? Mm. Yeah, I'm with you. So sometimes I'm like, man, that's spot on. Then he goes – Outlandish. I'm like, yo, like, do you even believe this? I, right. I don't think you do. Right. I don't think one person could say something that poetic and deep, then go to that extreme. Yeah. yeah. Like, he made the comment about, like, you know, how people go to jail and they're like, oh, free my N word. And he was talking about how, like, he wants to free Nipsey's Hustle's killer. And I was like, you could have probably made the same point without going to that point, that extreme. Yeah, yeah. Like, I understand what you're saying, but, like, you didn't have to convey You'd it. You'd have to go way. there. You'd have to go there. So, I mean, it's interesting. But I think that the biggest thought that I have is that, like, we, I mean, even sharing something on Twitter, like, if that's a book you want to get to the people, let's find a way to get it to the people without putting it on a space that everybody has access to. And so now everybody can pick at you. And so we have to do things for our empowerment. It's imperative that we do those things for our empowerment. Like, it doesn't make sense to not do it. Mm-hmm. But if we have the knowledge that they're going to find a way to destroy whatever it is, got to find a way to accomplish that same goal without giving them the ability to destroy it. I don't know what it is, but I know that it has to exist and we got to create and build it. You're a non-drinker now? Off and on. <laughs> when I'm at, like, social events, I might partake. I don't get drunk. I don't okay. drink hard alcohol. I don't get drunk. Okay. But, um... You know, it was kind of hard to, like, completely cut it off. Yeah. But I don't like, not like what I was doing before. Okay. How do you feel overall? How does your body feel? Um, You definitely have more clarity of thought. Definitely. Um, you have more. Better memory. Better memory, more stability of emotions. Mm. Um, That's deep. So I would say it's good. But it, it is difficult, especially when you're in different environments when, like, they're turned up and. It's like, but that's why I don't go to clubs anymore. I can't do clubs anymore because I can't put myself in that environment where it's going to be that turned up. I'm with it. So I kind of try to stay out of environments like that. It's tough when you go to football games, but like there's dudes at football games who be like chugging beers and I don't do that stuff. (laughs) I don't do that stuff. I might have like a seltzer when I'm golfing. I might have like a seltzer or two, um, but I definitely don't drink to the point of inebriation because I can't risk not being under control. I have too many things that 
can rise or fall based off a push of a button. With Even with like my phones, like I don't let my my son use the phone that's attached to my investment account because it's always logged in, and I would hate for him to like tap something and sell a bunch oh, of shares. Boy. Yeah, that was. Uh, and it's like, bro, how are we gonna pay the mortgage, fam? You sold all those shares, and now my cost basis is gonna go higher. So now we're gonna have to buy new shares at a higher price, you know? So that kind of stuff. But, um, man, I hope you guys got some value from this conversation. We kind of went um, a little bit deeper. And it was some pretty abstract things we discussed. It wasn't just like real surface level, like Kyrie's wrong. We're over here discussing like language and stuff. Free yourself. Free yourself. That's why you need to own some assets. So 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 you could if you wanna be a person who who can speak your mind publicly, own some assets. Yeah. Own some assets. Own some assets. Or build some assets or buy some assets. But one thing that I learned recently is ownership. It's responsibility. Big time. A lot of response. It's not passive. It's like if if um, is is a lot of responsibility. Everything rises and falls upon you. Um, you be running around in circles, making phone calls. Spend. It's a lot of responsibility, Oof. but it's worth it. And if you're gonna yes. choose something that's difficult, like don't go into ownership thinking it's the easy route. Like business ownership isn't the easy route. Mm. It's the more lucrative route, but it's definitely not easier. In no. fact, I think being an employee is way easier. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So if you approach it with that mindset of knowing that it's going to be difficult but it's going to be worth it i think you'll find success and you'll be able to kind of push through the ups and the downs but yeah when i started doing a lot of things i thought it was gonna be way more passive way less responsibilities even the vending machines we're getting phone calls they're like oh this is broken oh this is empty and it's like man there's responsibility you just got to buck up and take care of it and knock out those tasks but that's it yeah whoop i hope you guys got value to this i think you did we're gonna get these clips chopped up get dre his clips so we can chop them up Let's do it. And uh, another great episode. We out. Peace.